Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You're listening to Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM Chicago. And I'm your host, Tariq El Amin. Radio Islam is a live call-in talk radio program airing every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. And we reach the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. You can log on to www.radioislam.com to check out guest bios, programming, previous shows, articles, and more. If you haven't done so already, follow us on social media. This is on every platform, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. If you'd like to chime in to tonight's discussion, make a point or ask a question, call us at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. You can also tweet me directly at Imam Tariq El Amin on Twitter. Tonight, we are having a, I guess, a, a somber reflection. Today, September 11th, some 16 years ago, the United States underwent a change that none of us saw coming. September 11th, 2001, like December 7th, 1941, is a date that is etched in the memories of Americans, regardless of race, color, ethnicity, gender, or religion. This day would not only go on to take the lives of nearly 3,000 people in the World Trade Centers, forever changing the lives of their loved ones and their communities, It would also push us into a series of military actions, which would cost the lives of thousands of U.S. military personnel and thousands upon thousands of non-military combatants in Afghanistan and Iraq. Now, in addition to the changes to travel, security, information, we've also dealt with a rise in Islamophobia. We have dealt with a rise in the suspicion of Muslims, but we have also dealt with a doubling, by some estimates, of Muslims in the United States since 9-11-2001, as people have become more and more interested in the religion of Islam. So tonight we're going to be taking a look back with an individual who is uniquely situated as a public servant, as an elected official, who had the opportunity to serve at this time. And with us in studio is Rod Bashir. And I'd like to tell you just a little bit about this extraordinary gentleman with us. Not only has he served as the Uh, a trustee for the village of Hazelcrest. Um, He served as the vice president of the Service Employees International Union Local 1 in Chicago. Mr. Bashir joined the staff of SEIU in 1985 as a union representative and was elected by the membership to the position of vice president in 1999. 
After 27 years of service, he retired from Local 1. Now, in addition to vice president of his local, he's also served as a member of the SEIU Local 1 Executive Board, the SEIU Illinois Council, assistant to the president, director of the Allied and Industrial Division of Local 1, and director of Human Resources. Mr. Bashir also served as a member of the Board of Trustees of Union Health Services for 12 years. Mr. Bashir remains active in his union, serving as a board member of the SEIU Master Trust Pension Funds. He served two terms as a voting director of the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. He currently serves on the Trustees Committee and formerly served on the Investment Committee and the Financial Review Committees. Hang on, there's more. In 2009, then-Illinois Governor Pat Quinn appointed Mr. Bashir to the Illinois Finance Authority, where he served for one year. In 2010, Governor Quinn appointed Mr. Bashir to the Illinois State Board of Investment, where he served as vice chair from 2013 to 2015. Mr. Bashir has served on the Emerging Managers Committee and the Investment Management Committee. He was elected president of the Service Employees International Union Caucus for People of African Descent in 2009, where he served for four years. He was elected to the village of Hazelcrest, as I alluded to earlier, the Illinois Board of Trustees in 2007 and served two terms. He served as a co-chair of the Educational Task Force for Home Rule in the village of Hazelcrest. He's also served as commissioner on the Adjudication Commission, the Planning and Zoning Commission, and as Mayor Pro Temp. Rod earned a bachelor's degree in political science from Illinois State University and holds a master's degree in public administration from Roosevelt University. He's married to Glory Bashir and has recently they celebrated their 36th wedding anniversary. So congratulations. Thank you, sir. Rod and Glory have two daughters, and they live in Hazelcrest. They've been there for over 20 years. So we are... We are honored and uh, privileged to have you joining us in studio, and we hope that our listeners and uh, we all benefit from the perspectives that, that you can share about a day that everybody, you know, in the in the country is talking about and remembering. So um, I greet you first. As-salamu alaykum. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Peace and blessings be upon you. Thank you so much. So let's just start on that day. Um, you were, uh, were you serving at that, at that time, you were serving as a, a trustee for Hazelcrest? That's correct. Uh, let me first uh, tell you how honored I am to be here and to participate in uh, this program. It is certainly an honor for me. Uh, yes, I, I was serving as a village trustee uh, on that day in 2011. And I woke up uh, that morning, and as I traditionally do, uh, after saying prayers, I turned on the television. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a report that a plane had flown into the World Trade Center in New York. And at first I thought it was, you know, it was surreal, it was unreal to me. Uh, and a short time later, a second plane flew into the other tower, and that was when I realized it was a real event in real time. Right. Well, let me ask you this: um, How did how did the the government of Hazelcrest, which I would imagine 
would have been a similar response from other municipalities, other suburban municipalities. How did they respond? Was there any particular action that, that took place? Well, there was a, a call that went out from the then mayor of Hazelcrest to the uh, the trustees there and the other leadership, uh, and we had a discussion about what had transpired. Um, it was not a day that we were scheduled to meet, but on our regular meeting day, uh, of course, we uh, uh, said a prayer for the victims of that day, uh, and we uh, introduced a resolution recognizing uh, uh, that day uh, uh, in Hazelcrest. Okay. Now, we know that it took some time for information to, to come out as far as who was at fault, who were the, the, the actors involved. Religion was not something that was out front at the very, at the outset. When that did become apparent that that was a part of the conversation, what were your what were your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, as a Muslim, and and specifically as an as a Muslim of African descent, African American Muslim, uh, it was certainly something that I didn't think that Muslims would be involved in. And once it became real that uh, uh, individuals who identified themselves as Muslims had been uh, the, per- the uh, perpetuators or uh, the perpetrators of that event, um, I was embarrassed. To be quite frank with, I was embarrassed that uh, someone who I, people who I identify with, could uh, be involved in such a heinous act, uh, and I began to reflect on uh, what the Prophet, peace be present, peace be upon him, has has said, and, and that is that uh, you do not uh, harm innocent people in times of warfare or at any other time. Right. Uh, speaking to the idea of, I shouldn't say the idea, but that initial initial feeling of of embarrassment, and I think that may that may have been a a common feeling, you know, uh, for folks. And I think as a and there is some there's some transference, I would think, you know, as an African American, often when if something public, some public uh, issue takes place, that is particularly heinous or, or vile and is perpetrated by an African American there's a tendency to have a, a bit of a, an ownership in that action did you, did you feel like this was something that most Muslims regardless of their um, regardless of their ethnic, ethnicity or race, did you feel like it was something that all Muslims were looking at thinking? Undoubtedly, I, I think that uh, you know, as an African American we have a collective uh, memory and we uh, viewed as a collective group, uh, minority group in this country. And I think Muslims uh, who are similarly situated are viewed that way as well. So um, there was not a Muslim that I spoke to who was not feeling the brunt of, uh, of that day. And, and to take away, I guess to take off my, uh, and I, I never situate myself necessarily as, as being objective, right? I, I insert myself in the conversation. I recall my own thoughts on that day and you know I would walk around uh, at the time I was where was I working I can't recall where I was working I think oh no I recall I was um, I was working at an auto center and I would walk around with my Quran and I would just you know read and I felt a real sense of 
like I'm being I'm being looked at now even if I, I wasn't but I felt a sense of that you know um, how long had you been a uh, trustee I had been elected uh, as a trustee in 2007 so I was in my fourth year as a trustee uh, at that time okay so the um, in 2007 yes I, I originally was elected in 2007 uh, served two terms oh. I ended in 2014 okay all right. So the other question I, I wanted to ask, was your constituency, were your colleagues, were they aware, did they know that you were a Muslim? Yes, they did, uh, and they do. Um, right. uh, my situation, uh, my experience may have been a little different than, uh, say, an immigrant Muslim uh, situation might be because I have been an active participant in my community for quite some time since uh, 1995 uh, in other capacities so people knew me uh, and they knew me as a Muslim mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and and didn't treat me indifferently as a result of what had transpired on 9-11. Uh, uh, okay so your faith was never called into question uh, because you'd you'd already built up relationships is that kind of the, the gist of it that's that's pretty much the gist of it and and the people that I have that have supported me and that I've had relationships with uh, you know I always make it a point uh, of, of making them know that I'm Muslim mm -hmm. and I think that any any Muslim whether they're serving in public office or in any capacity who uh, does not identify themselves as a Muslim is really doing a disservice to themselves a disservice to uh, the community that they're trying to represent and a dis, uh, disservice uh, to the Muslim community. Hmm. So you mentioned, well, in reading your bio, you've got extensive work on the, uh, uh, organizationally, on the, on the labor front, you know, within the union. Did you notice sentiments beginning to change or did you feel like sentiments were affected by, you know, by, by what was going on? That was not my experience okay. uh, in, in the labor movement. Uh, again, uh, I spent 27 years there, and in, in, in the labor movement, I served in various capacities, and, and people pretty much judged me on my character and my relationships with them as opposed to my religion, hmm. which I was grateful for. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I would echo that, that, that same sentiment. Uh, I'm going to take uh, a second. I want uh, all, all our folks that are listening, if you would like to chime in, give us a call, 312-750-1178, 312-750-1178. Tell us about your experience. Let us know what was your recollection of that day. For those of you that are Muslim and for those of you that are, that are not Muslim, how did 9-11, how did this day change the way you saw yourself as a Muslim or how did it change the way you saw Muslims so that's at the root and let me share just a, a quick a quick little little tidbit so the population of the United States in 2001 was 285 million there were almost 3,000 people that lost their lives in uh, in the towers of those nearly 3,000. It was about 2,996. Of those, there were 29 that were Muslim. 
Now, if you look at the math here, $285 million, uh, oh, but I didn't tell you, there were estimated 2.8 million Muslims in the United States in 2001. So you look at that's about, that's just about almost 1%. And you look at the number of lives lost, 3,029 of those were Muslims, just about 1% once again. There's a misconception, um, willful or not, that we did not, you know, we didn't, have a place we didn't we were not affected when looking at the numbers we were we were represented just about to the the the, the almost the exact percentile that of our makeup of the actual population and it was reflected even in even in a tragedy um i don't think that's something that we really we really bring to mind we don't really talk about um but i want to ask what was the one thing that surprised you, or did anything surprise you, how quickly things changed from identifying uh, the, the, the bad actors, identifying a, a country of origin, bringing up Osama uh, bin Laden? Were you surprised at how things, how, how quickly things escalated as far as our response Yes, I was to to some extent, um, but I think that the the uh, the thing that surprised me most was that uh, although uh, Islam Al Islam has been portrayed generally in a negative light uh, in America, uh, the interest in Islam grew, and I think that there are you know I began to see people wanting to know is is what they're telling me true about Islam? Do these Muslims who perpetrated this event, this, this crime, uh, are they representative of the Islamic community? And uh, I found that uh, you know, many of my friends uh, would start to ask questions because they, they wanted to know. And uh, I was, in many cases, the only Muslim they, they knew, so I was the person that they would turn to. And, and uh, fortunately, we were able to, to say that, no, this is not representative of, 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 of Muslims. And I was, uh, again, gratified by their interest in what is Islam? Does Islam condone this, uh, this kind of action? Right. Okay. Uh, folks, I want you to think about that question as well. And what we'll get into when we, when we come back, we're going we're to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we want to talk more on this issue. Uh, and let's open it up. Give us a call. 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. Stick with us. We'll be right back. driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. 
we understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM Chicago. We reach the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. Now you can always go to radioislam.com and look at our previous shows, articles, guest bios, and a lot more. So Radio Islam, if you are just tuning in, is a live call-in talk show. And we broadcast every night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. If you'd like to join the conversation, call us at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. And you can follow and tweet us at Radio Islam USA or tweet me directly because my phone is not far away. Uh, You can tweet me at Imam Tariq El Amin. We are talking with Rod Bashir who is a distinguished uh, guest, uh, many years in the organizational leadership of SEIU, um, former trustee, village trustee with Hazelcrest, former mayor pro temp. And we're talking about, on this day, 9-11, September 11th, we're talking about the changes that have taken place. We're talking about our reflections, what we remember, you know, how it's impacted us, how it continues to impact us. So our brother mentioned, uh, you mentioned that your path, when I asked about was your faith ever called into question, and your response was, no, it wasn't, because you had established relationships with your community. You'd already had a foundation of activism, a foundation of service, and you made a distinction, and we don't want to, we don't want to paint with broad brushes for everybody but you mentioned that it may have been different for some in the immigrant community at that particular time talk about some of the things that possibly I guess we could look at as positives that have come out of that some of the things that have changed what would you point to well as you mentioned uh, I moved to Hazelcrest in in 1985 and immediately um, I got involved in, um, in in my neighborhood I became a block captain uh, and eventually became the homeowner's president of of, uh, of my community, 
and, and subsequently was appointed to the board by the then mayor of Hazelcrest uh, to the uh, Planning and Zoning Commission. And so uh, I did that. I wasn't interested in, in, in running for office at the time. I was just interested in making a contribution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, many Muslims know this. Uh, the prophet, uh, present peace be upon him, has said that it is reported that he said that the best of you is the one who's most useful, useful to your community. Yes. Uh, he also said that if you see uh, a wrong done, to change it with your hand, take some action. And if you can't change it with your hand, uh, then speak out against it uh, about it. And if you can't do that, then at least hate it in your heart. And that is the weakest, the hardest, the weakest position to take. So, uh, you know, so there has been a, an effort on my part uh, toward activism. But for for uh, on the positive side, I, I think that uh, uh, Muslims in the uh, the immigrant community uh, have become more active. Uh, particularly uh, around civic engagement. Uh, there's a group that I want to make a plug for, uh, two groups actually. Uh, one is called the Coalition of Good Government, which is out of uh, the community of Imam W.D. Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And there's another group called Muslim Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm a participant in, and I hope some of them are listening and will call into the show to just to mention a little bit about what Muslim Democrats are all about. about. Uh, not all Muslims are Democrats. Uh, Muslims uh, come in all flavors, and right. uh, and that's uh, that's to be appreciated as well. So civic engagement in the immigrant community has uh, has enhanced significantly, and uh, we're happy to see that. Yes. Do you think? Well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't put it. Uh, that's a lot. That's a weighty question. So, j- give me your thoughts. I don't want to just. <laughs> we're not going to ask you to give us a def- definitive answer on this, but do you? What are your thoughts on the idea that when we look back on, on on the horrible loss of life in instances like this or instances like Pearl Harbor where the national conscience is, is kind of stirred uh, and we feel, you know, there's a solidarity that, that takes place. Do you feel that we are missing out possibly on the... Hmm, I'm trying to think of the best way the silver lining so to speak if 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 we could use that without diminishing you know as i said you know all these people that lost their lives they leave behind families whose lives were you know have been forever altered you know in communities so there's no you know that's not to take anything away from that 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 loss but do you think that as a nation we have not found a way to take that and become a better you know, a better uh, nation because of, the, you know, from that tragedy? I think that we were on our way to um, uh, making the best of a bad situation uh, until this most recent uh, presidential election. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, although President Bush uh, had his faults, I think that the way he dealt with the Muslim community uh, by visiting a mosque, and making sure that the American public uh, didn't fault all Muslims for what uh, a group of, uh, of, of radicals did. Right. Uh, and, and similarly uh, with uh, President Barack Obama, who uh, was very balanced in his views toward Muslims and others, uh, and made sure that, that, that uh, the American public knew that this was not a, uh, something that all Muslims were involved in. 
uh, we've taken a step backward recently uh, with uh, with our current president, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, I think it's it, I think it's a temporary uh, step back. I don't think it's permanent. Uh, unfortunately, uh, given his uh, support, uh, that there is a only a small group of, of, of individuals in the in the public that support the kind of division that he advocates that uh, that would have uh, uh, not existed uh, if the election had turned out differently. I think. Yeah. So the public awareness. Well, the the response of the presidential administrations, obviously, as you just mentioned you know, what's vastly different compared to our, our current, the current administration. But as it, but in terms of sharing the loss, do you feel that Muslims, and, and that was my whole point in mentioning and giving those figures for the audience, you know, do you feel like Muslims have been kind of removed from, from also being able to grieve that loss and put in a position of you know, being attacker, you know, outside of, of the circle where there's no, there hasn't been a space. Uh, how, how, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I think programs like this, like, like Radio Islam, where Muslims can uh, have a voice. Uh, Muslims do not control the media in, in the country. I know there was a big push and there was a, a number of complaints, uh, particularly from conservative TV and radio that Muslims were not speaking out against uh, what had transpired. Uh, the current president even went so far as to say that Muslims were celebrating that day, which, uh, which was a fabrication and has been proven to be false. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do think that we've, um, you know, we've missed out on opportunities uh, uh, on our own. However, uh, I think that there's a, a willingness now uh, to have the, 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 the voice of Muslims heard. I recall seeing um, uh, uh, Brother Malik Mujahid on, on uh, Fox, Radio, Fox TV uh, some time ago. That normally would not have happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember seeing other, uh, other uh, uh, Islamic leaders uh, in, in different places. But it's, it's, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. But you know, understanding the, uh, the, the dominant American psyche it's never going to be enough. So you, you do the best you can, and you, make, you take advantage of every avenue that you have, mm -hmm. uh, and we have to keep pushing as, as Muslims to do that. You know, you mentioned something I think is really important for, for us, for the listeners, for us all to think about, and you say that Muslims don't control the media, right? But we, we do have, we have platforms like this, and, and to my knowledge, this is the only uh, daily Muslim-run um, radio program that's broadcasting um, over the airways every day. Now, we do have, we have other programs and other efforts, you know, Internet-based, uh, which has definitely uh, democratized communication and media. All that to say, do you feel like we are being proactive or reactive? Are we, are we still in a state where when we are appearing on television, it's because we're responding to somebody else's narrative, or are we using our platforms, whatever they may be, if they're digital, um, if it's you know print media, are we using our platforms to create a new narrative? 
I think it's a little of both, actually. I think we're 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 reactive and and we're uh, you know we're proactive as well. But I, I think that the uh, the reaction uh, uh, outweighs the proactivity that we should be involved in as Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the uh, proactivity is growing, and I think that as as our communities and our uh, Islamic community grows and matures and understands uh, the American way of life, the uh, the system of government that we that we have in this country. I think it's just a matter of time before the uh, proactivity outweighs the react- reaction to things. God willing. <laughs> God, God willing. And, and to your point, um, I think you, you made this, uh, you alluded to this earlier. Um, I think we are in a position, when, you speak, when we were talking about um, being proactive and being active in the community, you know, from just from, from the beginning. You said when you moved out to Hazelcrest, you just jumped right in. And what I'm looking at now is since then, since 2001, what I have seen is more when we have a protest, if there's a Black Lives Matter protest, I have seen more, quote unquote, immigrant Muslims. And I don't really, to be quite honest, I'm not, I've never been fond of the term because we have, you know, third and fourth generation and so on, you know what I mean? So they're, they're no more uh, immigrant than I am. Um, but whether whether they're from the uh, the Arab or the South Asian, you know, uh, communities, and they have been present, you know, I think in more numbers, giving more support to issues like, uh, for instance, like Black Lives Matter, um, or living wage, you know, uh, issues that we may not have seen that type of presence at prior to two thousand one. So I think that in itself. And vice versa, and it goes the other way around. I think even when you mentioned about uh, Abdul Malik uh, Mujahid, Imam Mujahid, on his appearance on Fox, if memory serves correct, he actually came to the defense of Imam Siraj Wahaj. <laughs> this was, uh, he was speaking to Bill O'Reilly. That's correct. And and he, you know, and he he couldn't, you know, he, he came right at him and, you know, and, and it, it was over with. Uh, also, something that we may not have uh, been able to witness. Even so, I think there's definitely a, a silver lining uh, that has benefited. It's been it's been a benefit, and in, in, something has grown from it. I should put it that way, because we don't want to make light, you know, because language can be taken out of context. Um, let me ask you: Do you feel that today people are having to downplay their religiosity? Their sense of um, commitment or their religious their religious identity today, in order to fall into a more nationalistic, um, you know, uh, framework. That could uh, I would say that that has been the case uh, in the recent past. Mm-hmm. But one of the you know, if we're talking about silver linings, and there's a positive and negative to. Uh, uh, Donald Trump being president, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he has made it possible for everybody to say whatever's on their mind. <laughs> so uh, if, if anyone is holding back on identifying themselves uh, for who they are in, in, in this time, mm-hmm. again, as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're doing themselves a disservice uh, right. in, in a number of ways. Uh, and, and, you know, I think identifying yourself for who you are uh, helps 
those who you're trying to serve hold you accountable to uh, whatever you say you represent. Uh, and if there are any Muslims out there who are considering running for public office, I would, I would in, encourage and, and, and advise them to, uh, you don't have to walk around with a big sign on your, on your chest saying, I'm Muslim, but right. uh, people are looking to, uh, to your character, particularly, uh, as I mentioned, uh, in, in my community. They, they never uh, they, they, I've only I've had rare instances very rare instances which I won't get into where religion has been mentioned uh, but uh, they are so rare and insignificant that uh, they, 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 they have no weight hmm. so I think what, what you're saying it just it makes me just uh, think about us as a pluralistic society ideally as a pluralistic society and the idea or this concept of Islamophobia or any phobia of any other religion that is not Christianity, it is about as un-American as you, know, as you, can, get, you can get. And I feel that we're in a position now where we kind of lead this charge of, of calling people back to what a, what a real American... <laughs> ideals, real American values of, of acceptance, of, of pluralism, you know, I think that's a, that's an awesome space for us to be in, unintended mm -hmm. but, um, but you know, awesome <laughs> anyway mm -hmm. um, listeners if you have a question, we would love to, to hear it, as a matter of fact if you have a statement, because yeah. if you call with a question we might not have an answer for you but we will listen to your questions, we will listen to your comments Give us a call at 312-750-1178. 312-750-1178. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But you don't have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Why are there 50 states? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. Why is pizza round? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. So many comments on my comment. Hey, guys, check out my wait. new video game. Mom, what? Huh? Pew, pew. What'd you say? This huh? weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Oh, hi. Right now, I'm getting a remarkably heartfelt bear hug from Smokey Bear. Thanks, big guy. Now, if you could let me down. <clears throat> See, I made sure there were no low-hanging branches when I set up my campfire. And before we left, I drowned out my campfire, stirred it, drowned it out again, then made sure it was cold. <clears throat> Visit SmokeyBear.com to learn tips to prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back. You are listening to Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM Chicago. I'm your host, Tariq el We reach the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. And you can always go to radioislam.com and look at our prior shows, articles, guest bios, upcoming events, and so on. Remember to follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at the same handle, at Radio Islam USA. We broadcast every night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. If you'd like to jump in the conversation with us, give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. We have been talking about the impact of 9-11, reflecting on it, looking at if there's a possible silver lining in it, looking at possible misconceptions, what's, what it's meant for Muslim identity, for American identity, how it's changed uh, policies. And we are joined in studio by Rod Bashir. He's a former village trustee, mayor pro temp of Hazelcrest, Illinois, longtime uh, organizational leadership uh, member with the SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, Local One. And before we went to the break, we were speaking about, you know, just the responses that, that we've had. So there was something uh, as we were on break, you know, as we're talking, an idea that when a people are, I guess, are othered or they're put outside of the, the mainstream, people have a tendency to coalesce. They come together. They rely on each other more. And we've seen some evidence of that. We just mentioned about some of the, uh, the intra-faith uh, presence, how that has changed. I'm curious for you, as a um, as an elected official, did you see that type of response from other or within the that I, I guess that's not a whole lot I would imagine, but among those Muslims who were serving in public office, did you see a response uh, to this type, this othering being put outside the box? I, I did, um, uh, not just amongst Muslims though. Okay. Uh, you know, there are there are a number uh, of others who who, uh, who identify themselves in the Christian and Jewish community who who may uh, be othered mm-hmm. that there were participants. But I think that people uh, like uh, our Congressman uh, Keith Ellison out of Minnesota uh, represents us well in ter- in terms of uh, what happened, what transpired on that day, and uh, uh, Representative Andre Carlson out of uh, out of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm supportive of, of both of those individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of other uh, individuals who've run for local office uh, here in, in Illinois and in various communities that that uh, that uh, I've been supportive of, and they've supported me as well. Uh, but there is uh, this othering, and and as you mentioned, there is this coalescing, uh, and I think that uh, groups like. Uh, the uh, like Muslim Democrats, as I mentioned earlier, uh, comes out of out of that kind of coalescing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, there are other groups and there are other individuals that are parts uh, that are members of organizations that have uh, that have coalesced and said, "Look, we need to, uh, as as African Americans have done, uh, I believe, African American Muslims, uh, they've claimed America. Uh, 
there there are there are those who've seen America as um, as something that they can't participate in. However, uh, those who are of my stripe, we claim America. This is our America. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were uh, we have uh, uh, our ancestors who have been who were brought here and made slaves here, and many of them, about twenty five to thirty percent of them, were Muslims. That's right. Uh, and so they, they observed their religion as much as they could, and there's evidence of that in various places around the country. So I think that Muslims have to claim uh, this this country as theirs, and I see that happening, particularly amongst the uh, millennials. And yes. I agree with you uh, on the term immigrants, but for lack of a better term, you know, second-generation Muslims, second- and third-generation Muslims uh, are, uh, are claiming this country, and, and as you mentioned, they are participating in various activities, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, Fight for 15 that my union is in, engaged in, and a number of other uh, beneficial situations that uh, that will hopefully help us all. Speaking of millennials, and I don't know if the, the, the age group behind them, the generation behind them, has been named yet, but uh, I don't know if this young sister falls into a millenn- as a millennial or not, but in two days, I think, was it a Monday? No, Thursday. We have a the pleasure of having a, a young, um, just extremely uh, enthusiastic uh, young activist, nineteen year old sister, Bushra uh, Amawala, I believe that is her name. If I'm mispronouncing it right now, I I promise you I won't mispronounce it Thursday night. But this is a young sister who's a DePaul student, and she's running for. Cook County Commissioner. Um, that and with a, a point of serving everyone and, and her identity, I connected to what, what you were mentioning, what you're saying, uh, about the saying of the prophet, you know, the best of you is the one who's the most useful, you know, to his community. So I think ideas are definitely changing. You know, the a sense of being able to claim this space, stake a claim and say that I am as American as anybody. And Americans, there's no one particular phenotype. There's no one particular facial, you know, model, you know, ethnicity that identifies America. And I think that is an exciting, uh, that's an exciting development. I am I am hopeful that, uh, and I, I haven't met the sister, haven't heard of her before you mentioned her, but I'll certainly uh, check her out. Mm-hmm. I am hopeful that she has a, a real chance uh, to uh, to make some headway uh, in her in her efforts, I think it's important. I, I think it's also important that that Muslims don't see politics as a career. Mm. Uh, once you start to see politics as a career, I think it, it it diminishes your ability to be useful, because at some point uh, you're going to depend on people who are going to be supporting you. Right. Uh, and they may see the world quite differently than than you see it. So, I, and in order to maintain your values, I I believe that you cannot uh, see this as a career. You you have to see it as a as an opportunity to make a contribution, uh, and 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 move on to the next thing that that makes a contribution. You know, we could have we could have had a whole conversation just on that right there. <laughs> that's that's some sage advice. Uh, not certainly not something that's. Um, that's popular. Uh, that sounds like self-imposed term limits. <laughs> it, it it is, uh, yeah. but it, but it's, it's not necessarily term limits for 
that the community imposes on you. It, it, it's, uh, it's a discipline that you impose on yourself mm. so that you can be the person who you believe you are. I think that's great advice. Um, we'd be in a much better situation, I think, you know, if that was the, the way that we approached public service. You know, I have an opportunity to contribute for the time that is, is in front of me, you know, um, because the problems don't always stay the same. So we need we need fresh eyes sometimes. That's right. So that's 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 a great uh, that's a great thought. Um, what are your thoughts about the um, the state of Muslim political uh, involvement in Chicago right now? There's a lot of work to be done in Chicago. Chicago is a, is a unique uh, political environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I've often found that, uh, that individuals, particularly in the, in the Muslim and Islamic community, in, in order to understand uh, politics in Chicago, you need to understand the system mm -hmm. of, of Chicago. Uh, as I, and I live in Hazelcrest. There's a different governmental system in Hazelcrest than there is in the city of Chicago. Right. And sometimes you can operate uh, mentally in one system, but you're actually living in another system. So uh, there's a lot of work uh, to be done uh, amongst Muslims uh, in Chicago, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to helping wherever I can. Okay. Well, we've got a few. Um, I want to say thank you so much, first of all, for taking the time to come out and talk with us in our audience. Uh, we, really, we really appreciate your perspectives, your insights, uh, and your service. And, you know, we pray that, uh, that Allah, that God continue to bless you uh, to serve, to continue to serve. So, folks, as we get into this winding down portion, there are a few things that we want to make you aware of. We mentioned last week that there will be a rally at the Federal Plaza. Saturday, the 16th. I believe it's going to be at 11. It's 11 o'clock. It's at 2 o'clock. Okay. You can get there early if you like, but 2 o'clock. And we're going to be demonstrating about the atrocities that are taking place right now in Burma. The Rohingya, which are the indigenous Muslim people who are generally referred to as the the N-word in, in their land, they are literally being slaughtered. I pause for a moment because I was about to give some descriptions that I might not want to in the event that we have younger listeners. But let it suffice to say that they are being they are being slaughtered and that it is uh, it is a genocide that is taking place there. So we're going to be meeting, and by we, uh, I should say that the sponsors are the Burma Task Force and the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicagoland. And we're going to be raising our voices. But in the meantime, go to Twitter, go to Facebook, pick up your phone, contact Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, contact Ambassador Nikki Haley, contact the Burma, uh, the U.S. Ad, 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 uh, ambassador to Burma, and let them know that this is not acceptable. Let them know that the Burma military needs to stop in its offenses 
against these unarmed indigenous people. Let them know that the United Nations needs to be able to supply much needed aid resources. So everybody, we all have the capacity to do something. So let's at the very least send out that tweet, make that phone call and tell somebody else to help out as well. So as we close out, I want to extend our heartfelt condolences and sympathies for those who lost loved ones on 9-11-2001. That your lives have changed and you don't normally get the spotlight. People don't talk about or see the, the way that your lives have changed, the losses in your lives. But we must remember those people who continue to live the memory of that every day. So we keep them, keep them in our prayers. For those Muslims who are listening, understand that we lost just as much as everybody else, but did not get a chance to necessarily grieve. So let us remember that 285 million citizens in the U.S. at that time, 2.8 million Muslims, almost 3,000 people passed, lost their lives, 29 Muslims. Keep that in mind. So we pray for the continued blessings of everybody that's listening. We look forward to talking to you tomorrow. We have with us in studio Dr. Suad Abdul-Khabir, the founder of Sapello Square and uh, the author of Muslim Cool. We're looking forward to a great conversation with her and look forward to having you join us tomorrow, 6 p.m., 1450 a.m., WCEV. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, engineer and studio Ibrahim Baig. Our engineer at WCEV is Ramon. Executive producer has been Abdul Malik Mujahid. All words and comments are those of the speakers themselves and not necessarily reflective of the stance of Sound Vision. I leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.